The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Rookie camp is well underway. The rookie tournament games are being played right, left, center, all across the country as teams gather uh, with their best and brightest of their youngest and shiniest. Um, the NHL was, of course, still making news because they refused to not betray uh, the wrong people. Um, there's uh, the Bruins published a Centennial 100 list. Um, you have that uh, draft busts and breakout stars. Um, we also have Andrew Shaw weighing in on a former teammate. Um, Carrie Price talk. Uh, our will he or won't he condu- uh, conversation. Um, and some actual good news out of Columbus. There's good news in Columbus. There's good news in Columbus. Where do we want to start this week? Oh, I. Uh, we want to start with the stuff that's going to make Mike shout, or do we want to start with something a little more? Mike shouting is always. I mean, Mike shouting is always a good place to start. I, okay, so you're saying we start with Babcock? Uh huh. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize and don't apologize should I slip up and swear a lot during this segment. Didn't you do this at the beginning of last week's show, too? We discussed something that made you yell. Uh, Yes. Yes. It was all your fault. Of course, it always is. So for backstory on Mike Babcock, um, there was a rumor very early in the summer that the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to hire him. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't believe that. I don't want to believe that. And I'll have a hard time rooting for the team should he land there. And I can't, 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 absolutely cannot in any way, shape, or form not understand thinking this is a really bad idea even before we get to what he's done. Now, it's worth noting that Babcock's hire as coach was not announced until after most of the free agents were signed. Yes. And this is important because Mike Babcock has established a reputation wherein you cannot trust him if you are a player in his system. Going back to his time in Toronto, he asked Mitch Marner, a rookie, to watch the other players in the room and come up with a list of their bad habits. This was supposed to be a list between the two of them. Yeah. Babcock then read that list to the locker room. That would absolutely have affected who was going to be willing to go to Columbus if it had been announced during the Stanley Cup final or 
at the draft or wherever. So no, they they hid it. They hid his. I mean, they they waited on it as 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 it as it was. They waited on signing him to begin with. But even if they signed him two weeks prior, they clearly waited until the timing was <clears throat> advantageous to the organization. And now, I worked with a lot of people. I know a lot of people who work in human resources, and I've talked to a good number of lawyers about employment law over the years. Um, I've had my own business. I've sat on search committees for um, a couple of different things. I've hired in a couple of different capacities. Um, Chris has hired in a couple of different capacities. Um, Mm -hmm. When I heard what Babcock did, something happened to me that really doesn't happen very often. I was legitimately shocked, speechless. And shocked, speechless. Was this was this when he was hired by Columbus, or was this when he pulled the crap with Toronto? Oh no, no, no! I'm now talking about what he's done in Columbus to actually get both the NHL and the NHLPA to investigate him. Um, the Again. first rumbling of noise about this was Biz Nasty on the Spitting Chicklets podcast kudos um and apparently he's he's got some he's been getting some um not very happy mail from people around the league uh mike mike pomodore chimed in and said that he's been hearing the same stuff it's biz is going to talk about what he hears and what he knows Biz has Biz has the ability to not hold his tongue when he, people would think he should be holding it, but he speaks his mind. And l- let's be honest, this is the type of situation where people should not be holding their tongues. This is uh, no, not after what Babcock. No, <laughs> this is legitimately one of those things that no one should have to teach you. Um, but that should be in those annual compliance videos that any of us who work anywhere in the corporate world get to take yearly. Yeah, actually. Like this will probably, this will probably make it into compliance videos now. And the reason it's so bad is because hold on. If you've never heard this before, but you can't force intimacy, you can't fake trust, you can't manufacture a connection. Those have to grow organically. And what is it that Babcock was trying to do? He was trying to rehab his reputation with players by by making them come into his office, hand over their phones, and project the pictures on their phones onto his office wall. He wanted to look at their pictures, and that was supposed to rehab. Talk about their friends and their family and everyone else who's in there. Such crap. He's just, he's twisted. He's twisted. I don't know how else to describe it. I think he's completely clueless. Like, he, I, I, even if you just take maliciousness out of it, 
which is hard to do after some of the things that he's done in the past. Yeah. He has to be clueless. Like, completely, someone lead him around. Someone find a four-year-old with a flashlight and uh, maybe... uh, Maybe like a spray bottle to lead him around so that he doesn't hurt himself. I'm just I'm just wondering if he's learning impaired. I mean, you just you 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 were you were gone from Toronto because you violated human resources type issue. You 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 asking a player to basically narc on the other players, but, but then turn around and announce only- it. Incident. That's just the only one worth talking about quickly. Right. And then you turn around and you get hired by another organization. And the first thing you do is you commit more human resources violations, asking for personal pictures on phones. And uh, how do you think this ends? How, how can you possibly be aware of anything that has gone on anywhere? Anywhere. Have any idea what types of photos, particularly very healthy, very active young men, might keep on their phones? But just concern it concerns me more because the job he had, or at least one of the jobs he had between Toronto and Columbus, was he was head coach of the University of Saskatchewan ice hockey team. Yes. College students. Probably a couple of 17-year-olds or 18-year-olds on the team. And guess what? He was probably also, if it's Canadian college is anything like American college, he was probably out recruiting, which means he was talking to 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Again, even if there is literally nothing malicious about him which I'm going to, for the sake of this segment, reserve judgment on. No. No one will touch you for three years to hire, to hire you as an NHL coach. Three years. You were hired for inappropriate interactions with people under your authority. The first thing you should do is go find out other ways not to screw up by the numbers. Because I'm pretty sure this would be pretty high on the list of anything that you should not be doing. You want to talk to players about family and friends and what they like to do. That's great. How about you do it on the road after a couple of wins or a couple of losses or on the plane or stop trying to fake it. Like stop trying to make it happen before there's any time for connection. Like you can't. Real relationships take time. They take effort. They take shared experience. They take at least somewhat shared interests. I mean, Mike Babcock is literally twice the age of most of his players. 
Okay, I'm now. I I didn't know the details of his time at the University of Saskatchewan. I know that after he got fired, he was hired to coach the team. I know he resigned from the team. I was not aware that he literally resigned like after one season there. Yes. Um, that doesn't uh, to me that screams. Uh, there's there was something else going on there. After one year, uh, I don't. I, there's something with this guy, and it's at the his time with Detroit. None, nothing like this came out. But then it it was a different time. They did things didn't make it to the media. As we know from the other stories that we heard about in Chicago and in Michigan with the 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 atrocities that took place, it was a time where the information didn't get out. So what happened in Detroit that we don't know about is now what's on my mind. This I, I don't this guy needs to not I think. Columbus needs to find a very either very loud way to get rid of him or a very um, quiet professional way. I don't know. He just needs to not be there. And Columbus needs to find a way to clean this up. I mean, there are very, very well-known players. Um who have made public criticisms of him. I mentioned Mike Commodore, um, Johan Franzen, Chris Chelios, Mitch Marner. Um, Mike Madano scratched from the lineup prior to his 1500th game. On um, it, like it, this guy just doesn't get it. In a sport, a profession where emotion is a very large part of performance, you have to, have to be aware of what emotions you're creating, positive and negative, in the people around you. Saying that I would never screw up as a coach? Of course not. My first two jobs as a manager, I screwed up by the numbers a couple of times. Guess what? I learned from them. Well, if Chelio, if Chelios and Frenzen are coming out and saying, and I actually just found a link to a story that says Chelios and Frenzen and accused Mike Babcock of verbal assault. So this is the first. This is the first time I'm hearing of anything from his time in Detroit. Because nothing was coming out, they it, it's almost like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Okay, now now do we talk about it? You know, I mean, uh, the in admittedly this is wiki, so it's I'm I'm taking shortcuts, <laughs> but for it to actually be in the wiki article for Johan friends and on one hand to praise Babcock's preparation and tactical acuity as a coach, yeah, but called him, and I quote, terrible man, the worst person I've ever met, 
Um, <laughs> there's there's uh, a lot looking, going on there. I'm looking at the CBC CBC Canada Broadcasting Company sports website and headline: Former Red Co- uh, Ch- Former Red Wings Chelios friends and accused Mike Babcock of verbal assault. It starts out with Chelios actually saying. Uh, he recalled Babcock verbally assaulting Johan Franzen during a playoff series. Um, some of the things Babcock said to Franzen on the bench, I don't know what he said to him behind closed doors one-on-one, but he blatantly verbally assaulted him during the game on the bench. Franzen later confirmed the allegation to the Swedish newspaper Expressen. I get the shit quote. I get the shivers when I think about it. That incident occurred against Nashville in the playoffs. It was coarse, nasty, and shocking, but that was just one of one out of a hundred things he did. The tip of the iceberg. End quote. I this guy, you got no. See, Columbus needs to somehow separate themselves quickly, like before this blows up in their faces. And I mean, we could go on ranting about this for another twenty-five minutes easily. Very, very easily. But as I said on Twitter um, earlier today, or maybe it was late yesterday, I am both sa- I'm both happy that the NHL and NHLPA are at least investigating it. But like disgusted that the that like this sort of basic training isn't part of the onboarding for the league for anyone who might be in a hiring or supervisory capacity. It's just, if you tried this in corporate America, the second complaint, the first complaint would come in and be filed. Someone might pay attention to it if the person was, if the complainer was well enough known. Um, the second complaint and someone to be walking towards your desk with a bag and a box and a little piece of paper. Or if you were working remote, uh, you'd suddenly get scheduled a Zoom call with HR. And that would be the end of your employment. Well, my first question would actually be to Batman and or the NHL league offices, because I'd want to know if they have a compliance department. Do they uh, have a compliance compartment? Do they because list the compliance department? I work in compliance department for the company I work for, or I'm attached to the compliance department. Actually, this is about the time we put out our annual compliance video uh, and make the entire corporation watch. Uh, and they have to sign off and they have to prove that they learned something. <laughs> um, that they actually watched the video and didn't just play it in the background. So is this a suggestion you'll be sliding into your uh, into yours? In, in, in suggestion I'll be sliding into my compliance department. We already do what we need to do to let everybody know that stuff like this is not acceptable. I'm wondering if the NHL has anything like that because they need to be making these coaches and players watch compliance department videos and but- and figuring out what they can and can't do. Because clearly Mike Babcock has not been schooled in the fact that what he's doing is wrong. And But, like, it's not even just – in my opinion, it, it, they're going to do it and make it work. 
it can't be just the play, the coaches and the general managers. This needs to, in order to be effective, because we're, yes, we're only going to hear about mistreatment of players, right. but this needs to go out to the people hiring the popcorn vendors and the, uh, and like the athletic staff and medical staff on the teams as well. You just can't do certain things. Right. I mean, it, people hiring the vendors and everything like Jeremy Jacobs own company sport, owning sports sports service. It would be sports service responsibility to make sure the vendors are up on their compliance training. The NHL, I don't know if they can apply pressure to Jeremy Jacobs. Good luck with that because he's uh, he services more than just the Boston Garden as far as. Uh, can be uh, the, 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 the yes. food and whatnot. Yes. So, uh, can the NHL require? I think that Jeremy yeah. Jacobs wants the fig leaf, even if he doesn't find it a productive use of his of his employees' time. <laughs> I, I would assume that Jeremy Jacob wants the fig leaf. Yes. Um. <sighs> The thing is that there was wasn't there a Twitter poll or something that you attached a link to here and oh yes a Twitter poll that proves to me that twenty percent of the voters uh twenty two percent of the voters are just as clueless as Babcock um the hockey news uh their Twitter account has um. A, a poll out right now. Uh, there's a day left um, on as of Sunday at uh, 11 a.m. Over 2,000 votes. What do you think should happen with Mike Babcock in Columbus? Smell you later. One more chance. 22% seem to think that Babcock, who's at least according to what is publicly available on the internet. A more than three-time loser, like, he's got his three strikes. He's got his three strikes. Even if you don't think that the players reporting they they were bothered by this, um, to whatever degree uh, they were, um, if, even if you don't think that they are right to be bothered, this is still a bad practice. <laughs> you need to, you need to not, as a leader, mm -hmm. as a person with a reputation already, you need to not only be above reproach, you need to appear above reproach. That's why I question his, his, whether he's learning impaired or not, because you already went through and you had to apologize to the player that to Marner up in Toronto, whether you meant it or not and whether he meant it or not, but you've already gone through an HR atrocity and you get to another franchise. And the first thing you do is committed again. I baffling. And some of the comments on this poll are, well, typical of Twitter. Um, my favorite is, of course, from uh, a user 
who says, can I vote go back going back in time and hire someone else? Um, and this is, as another person points out, bigger than Babcock. It's about the league. The league needs to league needs to a act swiftly as in this should be done before um before the beginning of the season so we we do have most of a month um ideally that would give in my opinion that would give the team time to find a new coach because i don't think babcock should ever be involved with the league again um, or at least not in any capacity directly involving players or direct reports of any sort. No, but um, should he, I mean, should he be allowed to be doing commentary? Didn't he do commentary after, yes, after his bad time at, with Saskatchewan? He was bad on TV. I was not know, impressed with his ability to evaluate games. It's not, it's not so much his ability to evaluate. Um, he wasn't good. He wasn't in any way entertaining or providing anything. He wasn't, he wasn't additive. He didn't add anything that any of the other people on the shows weren't already bringing. Was he on the same broadcast? He wasn't on the same broadcast with Bissonette. Now that was, now there's an entertaining man. Biz Nasty might actually be the best hockey commentator on the national markets right now. He is a way better analyst of play and players mentality than most people give him credit for. And he pulls no punches and gives no letters after E. Interesting way to put it. Okay, he he doesn't, and I mean you you just watch his you just watch his interview with uh, or his, when he was talking to Brad Marchand before one of the games, and I, I mean he has granted he he played, but they all play. I mean Anson Carter played uh, Wayne Gretzky, but he seems to have. A, a, a looseness about him when he's talking to the other that it's almost like okay yeah he's sort of professional but he oh, can he's a professional? he can he can walk that edge of of yeah he's professional but he can he seems his to navigate brand, that edge where he's just his business brand is living at the edge of Censure. It's his brand. It's been his brand since he was a player. It's probably going to be his brand, you know, the last time anyone sees him publicly, Um, which probably is a good place to put a bow on this and jump to something a little tiny bit lighter. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Habs on Reddit posted uh, on Twitter a couple of days back um, a collection of pictures of the of various NHL players. There's McDavid, Seth Jones, um, two of the Hughes brothers, Nazem Kadri, and a couple other guys. 
And I'll read the tweet because there's just no other, no better way to encapsulate it. Uh, you know, the NHL marketing department uh, is the best in sports because they hired a photographer who's apparently telling players, think of the worst day of your letter after E uh, life uh, when you were at your absolute lowest, when your hopes and dreams were crushed before snapping a pick. Because literally all of these guys look like someone tossed their kitten into a wood chipper in front of their eyes. Um, and they have literally just stopped crying. Like every single one of them looks traumatized, drugged, or like they're suffering a brain injury. Okay. <laughs> like, I, they, they they don't look. Uh, who I don't know who this. Uh, all right, Seth Jones is the first picture, obviously, and he looks deep in thought or something. The one next to him, and I honestly don't know who that is. I can't. I don't remember either. He just looks like somebody stole his puppy or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then next to him is again. Don't know. Ben uh, Cadre. And then Kadri, who just – well, he's Nazem Kadri. Kadri looks like he's been told that he's going to have to uh, room with uh, Bennington on a round-the-world hockey <laughs> tour. <laughs> round-the-world hockey tour. Connor yeah. David looks yeah. a little angry. I don't know if that was done on purpose. Uh, McDavid looks like he was told, imagine you're a caveman. And someone just dragged your woman all the way by her hair. And then you got young guys. I mean, you got Hugh, you got Jack, Jack Hughes there. And, and he sort of staring off into space and, and Quinn next to him, the last picture. Quinn's just kind of like, looking around the corner like he's worried that somebody's following him. I, yeah, what is this? How like, do you market? How do you put this out and market this and say that this last is our picture lead. looks like he was told? Imagine you're Robert Downey Jr. Uh, back in the days before he cleaned up, and you're coming into audition after a four day bender. <laughs> okay, like that's these pictures are absolute garbage. They're awful. Like, wouldn't it, the photographer sit there and go, uh, no, we need something a little bit lighter? <laughs> no, like, they I don't, don't look like you're the NHL. You're one of the four biggest sports in North America. They don't look like the happy that they're playing in the NHL. You could, you Not could go hire a sixth grader to take better pictures than all of this. All of these, you could, you could go hire some wildly obnoxiously energetic six-year-old who, who, uh, for whom one of these guys is their favorite player, and you would get better pictures. That third one in is that Bedard? I think that is Bedard. Yeah. And okay. He looks, now he just joined the NHL. The the kid is gonna get paid. He looks like he's been he's gotten anesthesia and they forgot to like undress him and put him in in a uh, hospital. Uh, I just I don't bed. get it. Just no. Like I'm, I, I just can't. 
like we complain about the NHL marketing on a regular basis. And there's a reason for that. It's terrible. This is awful. It's literally terrible. And it probably costs them billions of dollars a year. That's not an exaggeration. Like you're talking most extremely fit young men. And this this it is just doesn't the, take a lot to make them look good. This is just the this is just the the eight people that they're showing. I mean, if this is just eight, I mean, imagine what the rest of it looks like. The rest of the players, I I, I can't. Like I just can't. How are you a multi-billion-dollar organization and you can't find? better photographers than this. Wow. I mean, did they just like take a battering ram to these guys' hotel rooms, room doors, throw shirts at them and take a picture like five minutes after uh, the door fell down? Uh, And I mean, I understand that, that, you know, that there's you know certain certain look that the players want to, but I'm looking at Connor McDavid and again looks angry. But if you look at his jacket, it's all wrinkled. You look he at always looks rumpled though, like <laughs> literally always looks rumpled. Oh, okay, so we're gonna go with that as an excuse. Okay, you know, I just I, I'm just thinking, wow, no, no marketing department, please do something, like. The, if I were put in charge of the NHL t- today, my first two, my first three moves would be remove the trapezoid, fire the compliance department, and fire the marketing department. In that order? Yes. Trapezoid's that bad. It's got to go first. <laughs> well, I want people to know I'm serious. Something tells me letting the compliance department go would let them know you're serious. Although I'm thinking first you have to find the compliance department. Assuming it exists, yes. Yeah. And then you get to go on the golden hunt for the marketing department. Follow the smell of dead skunk. Well, you could you could take this photographer's um tack and ask where the department is where they crush their where they crush your hopes and dreams. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um now we talk uh, we'll be talking a little bit later about the centennial season for the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. One hundred seasons of hockey here in here in the Boston market. Um there's a nearly there's a actually more ridiculous uh anniversary this year. Really? Yes. A hundred years is a, a centennial is a ridiculous anniversary. I don't, I don't know. I didn't think Well, I mean, it's good for a team, but we're talking about Yaramir Yager. Yaramir Yager. 
Wasn't he on Twitter? Wait, wait, I know you think that I don't pay attention to Twitter, but was he not? Was I not the one that pointed out on Twitter that he was actively trying to find a defenseman at the trade deadline on yes, Twitter he did that last year? <laughs> but Yarmir Yager, who, um, who is entering this season having won multiple Stanley Cups here in the NHL. Um, played in the Olympics, done all sorts of everything. Yeah. Is entering his 35th professional season this year. Mm-hmm. 35 professional seasons. He will turn 52 next February. Um, he's. I will. Okay. Wait, wait. Stop right there. If I'm not mistaken. And maybe it's changed, but I don't believe so. As he owns the team, there's not many people that are going to tell him he can't play anymore. There's not many people who are going to tell him he can't (laughs) play anymore. But he was still in like the top 10 for scoring on the team last year, despite only playing 26 games. At 51 years old. Yes. Does that not worry you in any way? <laughs> I mean, Thomas Pukanic is on that team. Oh, he's is 39 and put up 49 points in 52 games. Okay. Um, Adam Kubik, uh, not familiar with him. Jake Dodgson, um, defenseman out of Ontario, Canada, 28. Um, you probably have heard of him. Yeah. Um, he was third on the team in scoring. Um, but 14 points in 26 games, that's, that's not anything to sneeze at in any league for a 30 year old or 50 year old. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely bonkers that this man is still playing and contributing at at the age he is, because let's face it, when he was here in Boston nearly 10 years ago, maybe it was 10 years ago. 36. Yeah, 12, 13 season. Uh, he played uh, 11 games for Boston, put up nine points in that time. And then in the playoffs had 10 points, uh, all assists in 22 games. He wasn't the fleetest of foot then. Um, so my question is, because we talked about it when he, when he, when he left the Bruins and went to the Capitals, uh, and the thought was that this, this particular player was finally showing his age and getting old, but do you think that Chara could still be playing in the NHL or do you think that Chara could still be playing professionally? Chara could still be playing professionally. Um, as, as is Yager. So, I mean, I understand there's still like, what, seven years between them, nine years, something like that. Yes. But Chara is a beast when it comes to taking care of his body. We've seen the video. I mean, at, 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 at the age that he was and to be able to do 37 pull ups, what was he? He was he was 
37 Charlie years old or something like that. six years old. He'll be 48 in... Oh, so he's, only, so he's only three or four years younger than Yager. Okay. Um, six or something like that. I think it's like five, but uh, don't make me math today. Um, yeah. No, but I'm just saying, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Yager doesn't keep himself physically fit and able to continue playing... It's not at the NHL level. I understand that. But no. he's still playing professionally and still able to produce. If, if that. <laughs> Zdeno Chara called up Yarmir Yager tomorrow and said, hey, I've got the itch. Heard you, you looking for a defense. you have a spot for me on your roster? Zdeno Chara would be signed before the call was over, phone call was over. Not just because he's the Dano Chara, but because of his reputation. I just I'm I'm impressed that the that he's able to continue to play at the level that he's playing. I mean, you would think that at some point he would say, I can't do this anymore, I'm exhausted. <laughs> And, I mean, you talk about guys doing it for the love of hockey. Dude is doing it for the love of hockey. Yeah. Like, staying physically fit, being physically fit, when you're 15, it's actually pretty easy. Eat reasonably and go do everything at the speed that your energy imparts to you. At 18... Pretty much the same. At 25, okay, you need to stop eating the junk food. At 30 or 35, you have to start paying attention to everything. At 40, you can shower and hurt yourself shampooing your hair. Um, I can't give testimony to the 50-plus club and... Don't even want to think about it personally. Um, but to play a competitive sport in an area that produces NHL talent and near NHL talent at the rate that Claudio does, this is awe-inspiring. He needs, he needs to get himself a decent goaltender. <laughs> Or or just put Chara on the ice and get Chara into a bad mood before every game. Make him think he's going to have Babcock as a coach. And uh, Thomas Chara, and Chara will be clearing guys out from uh, from the word go. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm wow. <laughs> yeah, 50, 51, 52 years old, still. And like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure he's the owner of the team. Even as the owner of the team, there's only so much of a draw you can be if you're not contributing. He's still contributing. I mean, this is this isn't like Michael Jordan when he was barely playing basketball and putting the jersey on. He's no longer a superstar, but he's still contributing. Got 16 penalty minutes in 26 games. There you go. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the thing where we talk about the other thing that's going to make me shout and get lots of Bruins fans mad at me. Okay. <laughs> the Centennial, the Bruin, the Boston Bruins historic 100 uh, has been announced. Uh-huh. I've seen a couple of versions of this where they put pictures of there was a version going around Reddit the other day where they put um, caricatures of everyone on the t- uh, on the list into a uh, into a into a graphic. No. And for Mike Milbury, they just actually used a dress shoe and it was hilarious. Um well, as he did beat somebody with his skate. <laughs> oh, wait, was that was that no, him or was that he Terry took O'Reilly? The guy's shoe off and hit him with it. That's what it was. He took the guy's shoe off. That's what it was. Somebody else yeah. got beaten with a skate, but I think that was Terry O'Reilly. But anyway, for this list, there's a bunch of guys who go way back in time, like even guys who predate Uncle Mil- uh, uh, Uncle Milt. And that goes back quite a ways. You've got your Eddie Shores, your Charlie Simmers, your Dallas Smith. Um, Mrs. Simmer wasn't that long ago. He was in the 80s, 90s. um, You've got Eddie Westfall. You've got uh, Bill Quackenbush. Uh, There's some guy named Barry Peterson on here who I'm sure none of you have ever heard of. Um, Don Marset. Fleming. That's that's uh, Don um, you got some guys from the 80s, Reggie, Reggie Lemlin and Andy Moog and uh, Peter McNabb. Um, you got some guys who just retired, David Krejci. Um, and then you get to, like, the obvious guys, all of the Hall of Famers, the actual Hall of Famers, um, the guys whose numbers are retired. You know, you got Lionel Hitchman, you've got... Yeah. Um, help me out. I'm brain dead at the no, moment. You got Lionel Hitchman, Uncle Milt, uh, Bobby Orr, uh, Dick Clapper, Dick Clapper. You got Frank uh, Yeah. You know who's not on this list? Go ahead. And it just occurred to me going through. Oh no, there he is. I skipped him before. Bill Esposito is on the list. Very good. I was going to say, if they missed him somehow, I did when I was scrolling through. But Particularly given some of the names on the list. Eight, Cam Neely. Nine, Johnny Busick. Um, I'm trying to think of what's after nine. I'm, looking, I'm trying to remember all the numbers in the rafters. Um, Nifty, Ricky Middleton, number 16. Number 15 is Uncle Milty. Uh, <laughs> you can literally go across from one end to the other and there are a couple of numbers that they really do need to add. Number 30, 33, 37. I mean, but they're all on the list as well. And and as they should be. Now, for me, for a historic, it, from a historic standpoint, in my opinion, you have to have accomplished something historic for the team. So okay. the guys who were on the... 2011 cop that busted a 46 year drought. 
I'm pretty much okay with all of them being on here. Do I really think they're among the hundred best players to ever put on the Boston Bruins uniform? Well, you got Nathan Horton on there, who I probably wouldn't. I, probably I love Sean wouldn't. Thornton. I wouldn't put him on the list. Sean Thornton. Um, what about guys like Mark Recchi? Uh, Mark Recchi was a Bruin, uh, Bruin Centennial. He was here for what three years? I don't even think he was here for three full seasons. Didn't he come in at like uh, the trade deadline and then? Um, I believe he came in as at, at the trade deadline and then came back for a year. And I, I, Mark Recchi, as as important as he was, and if you ask the teammates to a man, they will tell you his leadership, his experience, uh, his his presence in the locker room. They will tell you how important he was, and that's fine. But he played eighty five percent of his career elsewhere, and. It might even be a higher percentage than that because I don't think he even played a full hundred games in a Boston Bruins uniform. Um, no, actually, I'm sorry. He did play. He played two full seasons and 18 games from uh, that year he was traded here, uh, the 0809 from Tampa. From Tampa, um, certainly put up 14 points in that 25 game run to the Cup, but. Let's see, 160, still under 200 games in a Boston Bruins uniform for a guy who was going into the Hall of Fame already anyways. He had 107 points in 180 games with Boston over three years. I That's actually not – I mean, statistically, that's not bad. 107 and 180, 42 goals. Particularly goal, for a guy goals. who was 40, 40 and a lot um, when he did it. I mean, I, um, I don't have I, – I just – But as a Boston Bruin, I don't know that anyone even outside – I don't know who how many people actually think of Mark as a Boston Bruin. He was part of the cup win, but when I think of him, I think of him in Philly. I think That's of right. him in – I think of him in Montreal. Um, I remember his time on that Carolina Hurricanes uh, cup run. And yet he was only there for one year. He was part of the return of hockey after that lockout year. And he played a whole 20 games with Carolina. 45. 20 in the regular season, 25 in the postseason. Okay. I'm looking at regular season numbers, yeah. Um. But as I said, he was going to be a Hall of Famer before he got to Boston. That, that was just a given. Um, so, okay, I guess, as I said, anyone who was on that slump-busting team, I guess I can live with being on here. It's when we get to some of the other players <laughs> that I'm going to make myself unpopular in Boston. And... I don't care. I look, I have been since I walked into the Boston Bruins locker room when he came out of college Mm -hmm. as an unsigned player and avowed Tory Krug fan, avowed Tory Krug fan. 
Yes. He doesn't belong on this list. I love Tory Krug. I would I love, love to see Tory him back Krug. in Bruins uniform. If he came back this season, I would legitimately be okay with him. If he came back today, if they Bruins trade for him today, I would legitimately be okay with them putting the C on his chest. Wouldn't blink. Um, some of the other names on here that shouldn't be. Bill Kessel. He I won a Calder, I, I believe, or was very close to it in his rookie season. That's great. I just wouldn't. With Bill, it's. I just. I was he even. No. He wasn't like he wasn't he was not at a legit impact player here. He was well marketed here, but he wasn't a legitimate impact Phil, player here. Phil Kessel did not win the Calder. In fact, aside from being a three time Stanley Cup winner, the only other award he has is the Masterton. Yes, which. Yes, it's awesome. He didn't miss. Which was in his rookie year. Yes. Joe Thornton. Not putting him on this list. Like he was traded and went on mid mid year and went on to win the MVP. So at best, you have claim to half of a season of an MVP win as a Boston Bruin. Castle played three out of his eighteen. He three out of his seventeen years in the league so far. He played. He only played three out of seventeen with Boston. Yep. So Castle, yeah, I wouldn't. Joe Thornton is even. I mean, Joe Thornton is even <laughs> smaller percentage. And I love Joe Thornton. Uh, he yep. was drafted the same year as my guy Sergey Samsonov, who was drafted seven spots later, six spots later, seven spots later. Um, but Joe was not here for what is a, in my opinion, it, it could be. I, I think he's there as far as he should be in the Hall of Fame. But is he on the Bruin Centennial list? I don't think so. No. Um, for that matter, look, uh, Jason Allison was my dude for years. Like, loved Jason Allison. Are there former Bruins I would put ahead of him? Actually, uh-huh. actually no. Uh, I'm wrong about Joe. His percentage is not lower. He actually played one-third of his career in Boston, eight years out of 24. Um, but, like, Jason Allison didn't – he played, what, five seasons here, four and a half? Uh, something along yeah. those lines, yeah. He played from 96, 97, 19 games of that season. 81, 82, he only played 37 in the 99, uh, 2000 season. And then he met, he jumped back up to p- popping in 95 and 82 games in the, in the 2000, 2001 season. I love Jason Allison. Absolutely yeah. love Jason Allison. But here's my question. What did he accomplish in a Boston Bruins uniform? They didn't win any cups. I don't think they won any president's trophies. Um, division titles. We don't count those here. 
Um, in a lot of ways, I would be as happy to see Brian Ralston and Bill Guerin on this list. And neither one of them played very long in, in a Bruins uniform either. I mean, Brian Ralston was here for about the same length of time. Um, that oh, that 99-2000 season to the 2003-2004 season. Bill Guerin, now the general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Um, he was yeah. here for two seasons. That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I have I have an issue with them. I mean, Jason Allison probably has a slightly stronger case than some of the others. He had, I mean, 95 points in 82 games in the middle of the clutch and grab era. That's even better than I remembered him. Um, and then there's a couple of other current players. Here's a juicy, real quick on Joe, because I'm I'm starting to waver on Joe, and I know I shouldn't do that. I, I, but I'm starting to waver on Joe. But you asked what did he, what did Allison do, or what did players do in a Boston uniform? Mm-hmm. Is it Joe's fault that? And I don't understand how you do this as a general manager. But how do you trade the guy that ends up being the most valuable player of that year? He was traded in 0506. In 0506, he won the Art Ross and the Hart Trophy as the MVP. Mm-hmm. How do you trade the MVP of the league? Well, that was, I believe, still the send an error. In and the we know that Sinden didn't pay players. In the, in the, wow. I forgot completely about that. He He's traded within the year where he's having a MVP season. Uh, okay. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, so most of most of what he did, uh, most of what he did was with – the thing is, he didn't win any particularly uh, individual awards. He's a four-time All-Star. Yep. Won the Ross and the Hart, and that was the year uh-huh. that he was traded. But yeah, Joe Thorne. I, I mean, I don't know, Joe. I I didn't realize. I I, I math-wise, I didn't realize he had played a third of his career. I thought he was traded after like the fourth season or something like that. I didn't realize he was here for eight years. Um, okay. I'm not even going to discuss Tuka Rask. Nope. Yes, he's got – if you look at him, he's very near the top of the Bruins' save percentage uh, historically. Yeah. I guess you can – I guess that gets him in. But he did win He did win a uh, Vesna here. Uh, it might have been two. He did win longest milk crate throw. That – that is a very prestigious award, and he was technically a part of the cup uh, slump busting team, even though he didn't really play in the last, uh, I don't know, 35 or 40 games that they played that year. Did he make an appearance in the playoffs that year? No, he did not. I don't think so. I don't think Tom, I don't think Tim got pulled once. Tim did not get pulled once, even though that first series against Montreal was kind of rough. Um, but that brings us to a lot of the players. And then there's 
two current players who I just I have a hard time with. It's okay, you can say it. David Pasternak. He is up there for scoring. I was going to say. He's already in the top 10 for goals scored all time for the Boston Bruins. That probably earns him a spot in the historic 100. I suppose I can live with that. P.J. Axelson is on the list. P.J. Axelson had multiple, had multiple like shorthanded goal season, um, goal games. And at one point, I think he led, he either led or was in the top five for shorthanded goals for the team all time. Um, and after Bergeron is probably the second best defensive forward, uh, that I can think of, um, even ahead of Brad Marchand, which I don't say lightly, um, in team history, in my time watching the team. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love me some PJ Axelson. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who left it on the ice. <laughs> that like that was a dude who would who would walk through fire for uh, to help win a game. You've got other guys in here who. Uh, I mean, I think, can you make a case that Glenn Murray doesn't belong on the list? I think you can. But am I going to make the case? No, I'm not. But with pasta, I, I, I was just thinking in terms of because you were mentioning the fact that statistically and and does that is it strictly just that they didn't they don't give an explanation as to how they arrived at this. They had a no, they didn't. They had a panel of voters. They asked some writers and and. And other press and and they, they uh, and other uh, people involved in and around the organization. Uh, it doesn't look like there was any particular criterion. It looked was like vote on your hundred favorite players of all time in the Bruins. So, if it's that wide open and and that subjective, and there wasn't any kind of guidelines, then. I can see where a Pasternak or a Joe Thornton or because Joe Thornton was fun to watch when he was here. Sergei Samsonov. I don't know if I put him on the list. I'm a huge Samsonov fan. I don't know if he should be included. I don't. But I absolutely know a bigger Samsonov fan. And I'm not sure I ever have. I absolutely love watching him. I mean, five, eight built like a brick house. Uh, he was all muscle and you couldn't take the puck away from him in a phone booth or on the head of a dime for that matter. But does he belong on this list? I question it. And I love the guy. And <laughs> and there are some guys that obviously do belong. I don't know. So if, if pasta's stats say that he's in the top 10, then should he be on the hunt on the centennial list? I mean, in, should we be questioning that? I don't hate it, but he hasn't. He doesn't have a 50 goal season. He's never won an MVP or a Richard. Um, not part of a cup win. And that just makes the other current Bruin stick out even more. <laughs> because I know where you're going with this. 
Charlie McAvoy is on the list. And quite honestly, his case for being on there is no better than Tory Krug's case for being on there. And I wouldn't put Tory Krug on the list. Again, I don't know a bigger Boston Bruins fan of Tory Krug than myself. I just don't. I'd be inclined to agree with that statement. And I can't put him on my historical 100 list. It just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Love the player. I know that lots of fans love Charlie McAvoy. I acknowledge that he has grown as a player over the course of his career. I'm not convinced he's the best defenseman on the team. You're probably not going to convince me he's the best defenseman on the team. <laughs> no. And to, to look at 100 years of Boston Bruins history and say that this guy needs to be on the list ahead of Kyle McLaren or 30 other defensemen that two of us could name in 10 minutes if we really put our heads to it. Uh, it's a it's a very tough sell for me. I mean, you could put Adam McQuaid on the list because he was at least part of a cup win. Yep. Um, this is true. And, and Adam Darth Quader was absolutely. And he impl- um, he had an impact on the game when when he played. He had an impact on the game. He affected how the other team played. I, I mean, I don't, that. I, I mean, I know that's that. I know that's subjective, and it you know, there's no Mark statistical. Stewart. You could put Mark Stewart on there. Mark Stewart. I don't see other teams scheming to avoid the Hall of Famer. And I'm starting starting to waffle on Sergei Samsonov, by the way. I want to put a bow on this. Played eight out of his 13 years with Boston. Rookie of the year. All rookie team. When he was with Boston, he averaged 20 and a half minutes a night on the ice. For his eight years. 20 and a half minutes a night. And that's with a couple of different coaches because they did uh, change. <laughs> 376 points in 514 NHL games with the Bruins. Regular season. Um, shooting percentage in eight years, 14.5. <laughs> that's a impressive number no matter what. And he had 35 shorthanded goals in his career. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so 30 game winners. I don't know. I'm starting to waffle. Maybe Sergey does belong there. I, I, anyway. I have less of a problem with Samsonov than I do with some of the others. Yeah. Because Samsonov came in when the team was terrible. Well, that, obviously, they had the number one and number and number seven or no, number one and number seven picks overall in the draft. Him and, him and Thornton came in when the team was terrible and they excelled without the support that 
by comparison, Pasternak and McAvoy have had. McAvoy came in. He had a Hall of Fame, a legitimate future Hall of Famer, guy whose name is going to be in the rafters uh, on the blue line with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will go to my grave with the fir- very firm belief and understanding that the best thing a young defenseman in the NHL can have is a strong on-ice mentor who understands and communicates the game well. How do you not learn from Zdeno Chara? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. So, we, we've talked about a bunch of different teams today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to talk about having talked about the Bruins and yeah. getting ready for the new season and anticipation. Mm-hmm. There's only one team that we really have to talk about as Boston Bruins fans. And this is something that would make the games more exciting. Wait, and what? they honestly haven't been exciting in most of a decade at this point. Are we talking about Montreal? We are indeed talking about Montreal. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, arch nemesis, you know, the New York Yankees to our Boston Red Sox, the Montreal Canadiens to uh, the Boston Bruins. Uh, sure, I, I can't see how – I can't remember the last time we actually talked a lot about the Canadians. So what's going on with them? Uh, Canadians general manager Kent Hughes, former NHL agent, yep. um, has mentioned that it's possible Carey Price will be in the mix this season. Hasn't he not played in like three years? Maybe, um, I'm, exa- maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it's two. It, it's been a while. Um, it's po- According to Sports Skeeter, he will be uh, – it's possible he will be on the roster to open the season. Um, on the quotes, roster. Quotes, quotes, quotes. Um Yes. What quote would you like to use? Now, um, here's here's the first quote. We often have discussions and opted against it, which is to avoid going into offseason long term injured reserve. When you do that, uh, even if we use two million, let's say if we put carry on offseason LTI, his money is gone. He was quoted in the athletic. Um uh, later in the article, LTI is not a simple solution. Some people think it's simple. Just use the money that the player occupied. It's a little bit complicated, a little more complicated than that. We find opportunities again, as we had with Sean Monahan. We'll do it and put carry on off-season LTI. But we think as of right now, we're safe to go in-season with carry. Now, from the headline on the article, um, it 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 certainly appears that Sportskeeda wants you to believe that Price is going to be um, uh, Price was going to be back on the ice. Um, Carrie Price's wife is quoted in the article. Uh, Angela is saying uh, she replied to a fan asking about her husband's future. Uh, her her quote had to hit up Twitter to see what this was about. 
From what I read, someone mentioned they wouldn't be surprised if Kerry took a role with the Habs in the future. So just speculations. Uh, Kerry's still under contract for three more years. Um, and, of course, Paul Byron, uh, former teammate, uh, is retiring. Um, wow. Didn't see that one coming. I mean, I know, he's an, coming. I know he's a little bit older, but, I mean, I didn't see it coming. So, wow. Do I genuinely think Carey Price is going to play this year? No. Is this some way of allowing him? This is cap flexibility. Like this, this is going to, this may be a way of maneuvering. So they're putting his $10 million on the roster. Uh, I'm just using, he's a $10 million a year ago. That's the contract he signed. I'm not sure what his cap hit is, but basically they're taking him, taking his cap hit, putting it on the active roster. Then they're going to put him on LTIR so that they can use his money to bring in somebody else. They might start taking care, taking in one or two of the cap casualties that we know are going to happen with some of the, with some of the other teams. Right. But putting um, that kind of money, that's why you don't put him on long. That's why you don't put him on LTI in the preseason, because it, only certain only so much of it in the preseason. But if you wait until he's active in season and you put him on long term, you get a bigger portion or you get all of it or something. I think there's a difference in money. So putting him on now versus after the season starts. So yeah, if you if you carry him as a player on the active roster and then place him on long term, you get that money and and then you can bring in somebody else or or sign one of the cap casualties as you said. I I don't know if I I don't know if I can get on board with that. I mean, it's almost like announcing to the world that you're going to be um going all Kucherov on him. I don't know. <laughs> Look, we we know that cap manipulation happens. It, it's true. Just, yes, I'm not saying they not. I'm not saying they deny it. But <laughs> it and looking like at some do. of the teams who are in cap hell mm-hmm. before long term injury candidates uh, come out of the hit uh, have their hit removed. Toronto is thirteen and a quarter million over the cap. Tampa. Just under seven million over the cap. Mm. Colorado, six and a half million over the cap. That's with Landis Gog, who is not expected to come back uh, this year. Okay. Um, still on the active roster. There's a lot of movement that's going to happen. In terms of dollars going from one column to another um, between now and the start of the season. So the so the Maple Leafs being thirteen point two million dollars over the cap. That yes. isn't. But they have ten point three million in LTIR candidates, which still leaves them three million dollars that they need to do something. <laughs> with. I just. Cap math is scarier than like toilet paper math at like BJ's or Costco. It's 
Wow. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, I get that they're over the cap. You sign players, you bring them in, you do this, you do that. The ability of these guys to manipulate funds and manipulate contracts and maneuver players. It's pretty much voodoo. Yeah. They'll call it accounting, but it's it, it's pretty much voodoo. Um, so last week's will he or won't he? Um, Lindholm. Uh, uh, no, no, this week's will he or won't he? The tweet's already out. Look for it in my feed. Um, Campus Lindholm, who had a foot fracture late in the regular season last year, um, says he's healed up stronger and, and feels stronger and better than he did when he started uh, training last year. Last year, Hampus Lindholm was a bleeping, 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 bleeping beast for three, four months. Well, I mean, at the at the start of the season, he had to be because they didn't have McAvoy. They didn't have Grizzlick on yeah. uh, back there on the defense. I mean, they had they had Forbort and Clifton who were at at times they were the best pairing. They were the best defensive pair. Not only in the Bruins, but at times I was thinking they were the best pairing in the Atlantic. But yes, uh, um, you're not wrong there. But Hampus um, Lindholm so, was uh, Hampus Lindholm was ridiculous good. So, question for the week: um, It's already up. Want to see your votes? Uh, there's three days. This the poll will run until about midday Wednesday. Hmm. Um, will Hampus Lindholm be in the Norris conversation at the end of the year? Will he yes. get his will he get or his no. flowers? Um, I don't even need him to win, but if he's legitimately playing better than he was last year, um not having him in the conversation just shouldn't happen. It would be as embarrassing as hiring I don't understand um, how he wasn't as your head coach. I don't understand how he wasn't in the conversation last year. Uh, I don't either. Um but we'll talk more <laughs> about it. Next week, um, last week's question was, of course, uh, will Austin Matthews finish his four uh, by 13 and a quarter contract with the Maple Leafs? Please note that 13 and a quarter is pretty much the amount they are over the cap this season. It's no, I didn't I, even see that. Wow. OK. And admittedly, his new contract doesn't kick in until next year. That's but true. it's still kind of it's still amusing. Yeah. Um, so votes on the poll, pretty, pretty uh, well spaced, uh, just under 70 percent saying yes. Thank you, all of the Toronto fans and 30 percent and change saying no. Um, what's your gut tell you? Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. My gut's telling me that. Well, first of all, he's not going to – I don't know that he's worth the contract, but I, I guess that's not the question. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll go with the non-Toronto fans and, and – I'm thinking the answer is no. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to keep producing points, which oh, he's make going- him tradable. He's going to produce, but I don't think he's going to finish. I don't think he's going to finish out this contract. There's no way. Um, I, I don't. 
I don't see him finishing in there. And I think that the return on his trade is going to be fascinating. I was trying to see how the contract. Sorry. 20 years later. I was trying to see how the contract was was set up. And I, so I apologize for my uh, verbal for, for a second there. I was trying to figure out how the contract was set up because that that can also tell you, depending on how they, they're paying it out, whether he's going to make it that far or not. Because if they front load it, back load it, like looking at this, Looking at his contract, 24, 25, you know, 13, total salary in the first two years is ridiculous high and then gets lower as it gets toward the end. I'm thinking that they trade him in year three of this contract. His number number goes down. His cap hit. Is the same throughout, though. I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to make it. I know it's only a four-year deal, but I don't think he makes it. I think he gets traded in year. I think he gets. I think. I think he gets traded in year three. I, I think there's. They haven't improved their defense and goaltending enough to win a cup. And if they don't win a cup this year or next year, I, I think that there needs to be that earth-shattering kaboom because you can't ride. Matthews and Marner and the rest of the, uh, the rest of their young, currently young players into the ground. You just I can't without producing a win or two. I guess that goes back to. I guess that goes back to who's who do you feel is is more important to the organization? Is Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner more important? In my eyes, and and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'll say it. Mitch Marner is the better player. Mitch Marner makes, allows Austin Matthews to be Austin Matthews. As I've said with Malkin and Crosby, and we've talked about it many times, I think you need to hang on to Marner because he can be the distributor for Willie Nylander. He can be the distributor for the other young goal scorers that they have on the team. I don't see that out of Matthews. I also think Marner's a better two-way player than Matthews. I think that you need to find a way to keep him, and if that means trading Austin, well, I'm sure that there's a team somewhere in the desert that would love to have him back and bring him as a hometown kid. So, Well, assuming they stay in the desert and never have a actual NHL arena. <laughs> okay. I'm taking some assumptions there. Yes, I know. But, um, but looking at the Leafs as a team. Yeah. I don't know that it's Marner or Matthews. I think that you might you might end up shuffling the deck on the less uh, on the rest of the young players, and you keep your you end up somehow maintaining Marner and Matthews and Tavares for a couple more years. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or just a violently stupid thing. Could you find somebody to take Tavares? Well, at, you have to, you're going to have to get him to waive that no movement clause that they handed out. They were <laughs> this was handing out like candy. Um, Excuse me. 
But based on Tavares's current play, yeah, you you could get someone to take him um, this year or next year. I don't know what's going to what he's going to look like two more years from now. Um, I mean, Tavares has maybe actually you might just let Tavares walk. It would be dumb. Yeah, I because I mean he's his contract is this season and expires at the end of next year. You could at least get I don't know. If he, He'll if only he, be thirty four when the contract expires. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need draft picks. You need draft you you do need the draft picks. Um, it would be dumb to let him walk. Yes. If you can get him to waive it in that last year, say, look, John, we love you. We want you to go win a cup, um, but it's not going to be here this year. It's not going to be here next year. Um, we need to find a couple of strong defensemen because um, they don't have a second round pick any of the next three years. Nope. Um, they they are conditional. They have a conditional pick. Um that they probably won't get back at all uh, for the 2025 season for the first round. Um, so likely four of their, they, at this point they have firm possession of two of what should be their top two ra- uh, top uh, six picks in the next three years. That's ungood. Ungood. Oh. Well, it's top 10. I mean, that particular pick for 2025 is top 10 protected. Um, So the chances of them hanging on to it are slim unless they plan on tanking. Because in order to be in the top 10, you need to be in the lottery. But I don't know (laughs) if they could actually manage to tank with this with this roster like. That's what I'm saying. They would have to in order to in order to hang on to that conditional pick in 25. So, yes, you're right. That pick is gone. It's just gone. There's no way they're hanging on to it unless they tank. So they need draft picks. You got to send Tavares. Tavares makes the most sense. If you can move that contract and, and they won't be able. I don't think they'll move him until next season anyway. I don't think I don't think this season's an option. Looking at their roster right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten forwards with restricted movement of some variety. Was Chiarelli in charge? Four defensemen with restricted movement of some variety. And that's before you get to Muzzin and Murray on the long-term injured reserve who both have restricted movements as well. Who was GM when all this, when all this candy was being was handed Kyle out? Dubis. Did, was Dubas good friends with Chia Pet? Um, I, <laughs> I mean, they're handing this stuff out. Maybe they were neighbors or something. It's Halloween. Here you go. Everybody gets a trade. Everybody gets a no trade clause. Yeah, there it was go. a candy bowl on the GM's off on the GM's office desk, or maybe in the waiting room. And they just left it out for them to take for themselves. That's amazing. All these all these no movement clauses. Holy cow! The whole team practically. Yeah, like I feel bad for their current general manager. 
he's got a lot of work to do, and he's not who's only doing it with, his, with who's Brad Trevelyan. Uh, Tre- oh, Living from Calgary, yeah. Living, he's not right. only doing it like Calgary, handcuffed. Yeah. He's doing it with his hands cuffed behind his back, a gag in his mouth, uh, and lots of, like, lots of duct tape. He's duct taped to the chair. <laughs> he's duct taped to the chair, and one eye is uh, one eye is uh, covered. This is gross. You have one, two, three, four, four forwards. No, maybe five, because Reeves is a thirty-five plus. So five forwards and three defensemen that have no movement clauses. Yep. I now mean, all that uh, that don't that don't have no movement clauses, and all their goaltenders don't have no movement clauses, but they're all they've all been signed under. Actually, have they all Dude. been signed under Tre Living? No. Um, I don't think so. But all is a. I mean, the good news for Tre Living is a good chunk of these no movement, no trade clause guys are UFAs at the end of the year. Um, yeah, like the whole defense core. <laughs> like Nylander, they're going to have to do something with him at some point this year. You know he's going to get more than seven million uh, for his next contract. He, he might be gone at the end of the season. He might be. He actually could be a cat. He could be a trade deadline piece moved. I don't know that Toronto wants to do that, but oh, I, I doubt very much that they want to do that. But if they can get a young defenseman who's a good two-way uh, player in the deal. Depends on where they are in the standing. If they're if they're in the playoff hunt, they're going to be buyers, not sellers. So, mm, I don't know. But they have they can't let all of these UFAs go away. No, I mean Bertuzzi, mm, Max Domi, mm, Lafferty, okay, whatever. Dylan Gambrell, whatever. Then you got Brody and Klingberg um, on the back end. Um. I mean, Giordano is probably just trying to play until he's 100. Bertuzzi, um, is, a, Bertuzzi is a very show-me deal. Yeah. A very expensive show-me deal. I mean, usually show-me deals are, are one year, not quite a huge amount of money. Bertuzzi, five and a half mil for one season. A, he's taken a gamble. I'm assuming his agent convinced him to take a gamble on the – on the cap going up. And is it some kind of show me deal where he can be, where he's got to show them he can be more like the player that the Bruins had at the end of the season and into the playoffs? Or is he like, or is he the player that Detroit had, which doesn't make sense to me because the player that Detroit had and the player that the Bruins had was the same guy. It um, just, it, it just no, didn't. The guy in Boston had hope. Good point. Ouch, but good point. I mean, the guy in Boston scored 10 points in seven playoff games. And he was their best. He was one of their best players in the playoffs. I won't say he was their best because there were a couple other players that really, I mean, we talked about it. uh, And it seems like none of them are around. Um, The one that went to uh, Taylor, Taylor Hall, up to Chicago. Tyler Bertuzzi, Toronto. Uh, Charlie Coyle played pretty hard. 
Yes. And he's still around, thankfully. I mean, got to hang on to somebody. But yeah, I, I think that I, I it, it, it's just very expensive for a show me deal. I'm thinking that he's gambling on cup. I mean, he's gambling on cap increases and he and is, hopefully, but hopefully he signing also him. needs to show that he can be healthy for two for a full season again. Like he only played like 40 game, 40 regular season games last year. True. Yeah. Um, that pretty much brings us to the end of our time for the week. Anything else you really, really, really want to talk about before we uh, say uh, goodbye to listeners? Uh, looking very quickly. Um, didn't know about Paul Byron. Uh, congratulations on retirement and wish you all the best in whatever it is you do next. And wow. Congratulations. Oh, I don't know how long it would take, but. No, we'll wait for next week. It's not. It's something that we don't need to discuss this week. Congratulations to Yager on 35 years of pro hockey. Wow. Absolutely. Um, one other thing for our listeners. Um, you With the Bruins Centennial list, you can log in and create your own all-time roster. If you do that, Go ahead and tweet it at us. We'll t- uh, we may have time to talk about uh, some of them on the show next week. Um, I will respond to any of them uh, if I can. As always, hit me up at Puck Sage. And I'm at the off wing. And we will be back next week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hockey is getting closer, and I can almost taste it. Take care.